Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Monday the 6th of August. And joining me on this edition, thankfully there's more than one person, Steve Withers. You wait your whole life for a single moment and then suddenly it's tomorrow. Ed Sally. You ate my bird. And Mark Buttright. The plane. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's only going only gonna to work that joke for people who were, who were around in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and watched, uh, watched Fantasy Island. Which yeah. is a pretty small subset I, of your li- of our listeners. I obviously, I, I know what the reference is. I have no memory of Fantasy Island whatsoever. I know that the, the, the great Ricardo in... Montalban and yeah. her Villachez. Uh, I used to watch every week. Does right. he not say it as well in uh, Man with the Golden Gun as well? No, he doesn't say it in Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Basically, the concept was that um, people would fly to this island and, and he would make their fantasies come true. Hence the title, Fantasy Island. Right. So it was like a Playboy resort then. Was yeah, TV, say, was was shit, before... TV was shit in the 70s, I've got to say. <laughs> before the watershed, was it? Uh, well, it wasn't that kind of, you know, I don't no. think it was. It was a, a very tame, innocent kind of fantasy. Ah, oh, Not like, you know, a <laughs> with a <laughs> like that. Oh. That, <laughs> that came to mind far too quickly, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm going to bleep it out so people will be wondering what the hell you, you referenced there. Just to, right. Well, uh, what can I reference that was worse than what I just did reference? <laughs> <laughs> Are you bleeping out the <laughs> or the <laughs> Yeah, leaving the <laughs> That's now one, two, three, four bleeps. There we go. And you uh, start spurring it. <laughs> right, so Ed, what have you been up to? It's two weeks since we've spoken to you. You must have done something. Um, I have... <laughs> sort of sat well i mean i've done some some world-class sitting i've been reviewing some loads and loads of stuff um for lots and lots of different people that's all been jolly exciting um i was saying before the podcast kicked off i took the momentous decision to have my car cleaned it's blue again which is exciting <laughs> um i am going down to hampshire again after this podcast finished because tomorrow the plan is um we're going to take my son to the tank museum He's oh, suddenly developed I'm going a, there. a genuine excitement for tanks so bollocks to it let's let's boddington here you come <laughs> if you want tanks and as i understand it they've got all of the tiger derivatives on display. yeah 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 no they i'm going down um, probably week after next i can't i'm looking forward to it which is uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm I, I I'm you know I'm a simple soul. I, I like a good tank, and that's not rhyming slang or a euphemism. I like armored fighting vehicles. I just like big mechanical things, and I'm sure that he will find it entertaining as well. Um, so, so really, um, you're going and you're taking taking the boy with you, and he's going to like it. No, 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 we've we've it's like buying a scale electric set, isn't it? It's really for you. <laughs> we've we've ummed and ahed about this, but all of a sudden, he's become quite excited about um about tanks and tracked vehicles and stuff like that the only thing that's really bizarre and actually i'm going to put this out to li- podcast listeners my son is four he'll be five in october he is genuinely unsettled by the sound of hand dryers and hair dryers but has no problem at all being eight feet from a monster truck uh, different frequencies isn't yeah. it children's ears yeah but don't get me wrong i mean and uh, i need to stress for any uh health and safety operatives listening he was wearing bloody ear defenders but no biblical bits of machinery making the sort of noise you associate with the world ending not a problem hand dryers terrified of yeah but mark's right that's lots of base base energy whereas their hearing can hear up to very high frequencies which ours can't anymore and probably they find it uncomfortable it's not the same it's not like there it's just one type of hand i mean if it was like those dyson air blades which are 
bloody loud. Okay, that would be a bit odd, but it's fair enough. But it is all of them, regardless of pattern, frequency, design. He has just developed a phobia of hand dryers, which is and hair dryers, you say. And well, I mean, obviously that's not a big part of my life, as you might imagine. Um, I mean, I've, I've got more My hair than you. My cat doesn't like hair dryers. So maybe yeah, but to be fair, that's not... I'm, I'm hoping that at four, my son has got slightly greater reasoning, process reasoning than your cat. But It sounds like a new feature in the offing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how we go. But yeah, that's, that's all good. So yeah, hopefully Tank Museum on Saturday. So looking forward to that. So you can make a weekend of it. Do Tank Museum, then Monkey World. Like that. <laughs> Actually, it's not very far from the Fleet Air Arm Museum either. So you could go there as well. Um, we'll just do the Tank Museum on the Sunday. I I think I'll probably because I can't barbecue in my granny annex. Um, I think I might, if the weather holds, I will probably do another barbecue at my parents because I enjoy barbecuing and I haven't had the opportunity to do it very much this summer. I didn't have an opportunity to do it that much last summer because um, actually the other day it was the year anniversary of me falling off the front step of my house and breaking my leg in four places. It's not been a good uh, year for you, is it, really, all things considered? <laughs> well, there is that. But what was, do you know what was really bizarre is that on that day, um, my, uh, well, currently my wife, soon to be my ex-wife, also then stumbled and we thought for at one point she had then also managed to break her ankle. Mercifully, it was just a sprain. But I, I, I need to stress that July the did 28th. Did push her? I did not. <laughs> July the 28th, 2019, um, I am going to spend the entire day in bed and not a hospital bed either i'm just not i'm just not i'm not moving it's clearly not a good day i'm just gonna what, make you, plans accordingly you just think the day is cursed well the omens don't look good do they um, Sit sedentary for 24 hours and get up and have deep vein thrombosis but that's it that's every day in ed's life i resent that <laughs> i mean well, you're a lot less sedentary you these days than you used to be let's be honest i'm a fair amount less sedentary and it's actually where i am now it's very nice i can you know just pop out and walk walk down to one of the many shops or pubs or the sandwich <laughs> shop or things like that so it's all good yeah ed the, the flaw here is you're walking to a sandwich shop you're walking to the pub so well, any calories no. any calories are being burnt you just <laughs> i'm not <laughs> suggesting that it's a weight loss thing but i am at least moving around and i'm active so okay, yeah i'm not going to be preached at to you i mean okay you know, <laughs> this, this is the thing you're like born again christians it's <laughs> like oh i've now discovered healthy living i can't believe i used to live like that i can't believe you live like that you know just just do one <laughs> okay mark any pottery in your life these days or is that now a, a, a gone no no that that's a distant memory now i'm afraid uh yeah, at least until next year. Okay, so so what are you doing with your spare time now? Spare time now, um, I, I, I'm trying to build a bicycle. That's what I'm doing right now. And I, I'm doing it, unfortunately, without a garage, so I can't spray it in a nice environment. So I'm having to kind of rattle can it outside and wait until it's not ridiculously hot and wait until the breeze calms down a bit. And I'm, I'm getting to that OCD stage of like a fly lands on it and then I have to sand it all back again so it's, take, <laughs> it's like pacing the fourth bridge yeah so, it is in answer to the question someone posed about what does Mark do for a living <laughs> not much actually I was, I was just, just gonna I was just gonna fills his time with really pointless activities <laughs> that that was my next thing because obviously uh, people are wondering there was a uh, I posted a thing up just telling everybody about what's happening with the editorial and there's been a few changes and we've changed a couple of badges and stuff and somebody put in the in the replies mark and who does Mr. Buttright work for? <laughs> if anyone ever asks me what do you do I always just say I don't <laughs> that, that's enough 
Are you like Hugh Fernley Whittingstall? Because he was down your neck of the woods. Are you do you just a, just a sort of free man on the land sort of business. Yeah, exactly. A, a gentleman of leisure. That's, that's you're like the character in About a Boy, aren't you? Basically, you just live off a re- revenue from some hit single in the <laughs> 60s, and then compartmentalize your life into units of 30 minutes and just fill them up. <laughs> yeah. Well, cheers for that, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't say, I didn't say you looked like you, Grant. <laughs> Wow. Right, Steve, you've been upsetting everybody. What have you been up to? Uh, I'm just not much, really. A um, bit of work, lots of calibrations. Not, um, nothing particularly interesting, I have to say, fortunately. Yeah, okay. Uh, right, so we did. Uh, I did mention that, that article. There has been some changes on the podcast. We mentioned a little bit here and there, but um, just to quickly go over it, the reference status badge is dead. We've killed it off. It no longer exists now. Um, it's been replaced by best in class. Obviously, the reasons for that is uh, no matter... How often we uh, mention it in the in in the review and in the conclusion and so on is why that badge has been awarded. Um, the reference badge just seems to confuse people because people, for one reason or another, have it in their head um, or have the perception that reference means absolutely perfect. And to be honest, there is no product that is absolutely perfect. There never will be. They're consumer products. Um, the reference badge was more about products in its class being referenced to it. So it was the it was the one product that you were always going to refer whatever it was you were reviewing to that product because that is the reference product for um, that sector of the market or for that that um, type of product basically. But there was a few issues with that. People didn't quite understand it. We thought it was a bit confusing. So we have changed it to best in class. Do you like the change, Ed? Um, from my perspective, I do, yes. Because um, in the, especially with modern hi-fi now, assuming all sorts of weird and wonderful forms, uh, it gives much greater scope to recognise brilliance in the in that, in that in specific categories. Uh, and for us to be able to point to say, if you've got this much money, and you want this, we think this is the best we've got, and so on and so forth, rather than saying, well, in absolute performance terms, you want that, um, but it's very large and very expensive. So no, from my, as far as I'm concerned, it's a good move. I mean, I was, <laughs> as I said to you on Skype, there was a slight irony that I uh, awarded something I put up onto the management system to be to go out for reviews in the, in the future. I had awarded that a reference status badge, which we've now had to win award and <laughs> but that will be the first well, presumably rewarded a best in class <laughs> yes it will be a best in class so um that, that that the irony of that wasn't lost on me but that that's just me being churlish so um yeah otherwise i i think it's from my perspective where there is much less measured absolutism in what we're in the decisions we're making it, it actually suits hi-fi arguably even better than the televisions so i'm as happy as the proverbial yeah. pig yeah i mean obviously it, it gives a lot more scope um for us to, like you say, to highlight products that are pretty exceptional. Now, there is the Best Buy badge, um, which does get used now and again, um, but normally it, it tends to be highly recommended, recommended, that, that tend to be awarded the most. The Best Buy, the best way to ex- explain why that badge would, would would be awarded is basically a Best Buy is at such a price point that it actually outperforms everything in its um, natural class. It's actually probably a class above that. Would that be fair, Steve? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 defined as a product that offers excellent performance and exceptional value. So, yes. you know, it has to be it very much, it obviously relates to its performance, but it also very much relates to its price point as well compared to its its peer group. Um, and if it's, uh, yeah, if, if it meets that criteria, then it warrants a Best Buy. 
mean, you see them every now and then because there's there's been some really great products that have been you know, awarded Best Buy by badges. But the reference status badge is confusing in the sense that yeah, people seem to think if you give it that, that means it has to be the perfect product and the best possible product. And when you're talking about TVs, clearly there are currently two very distinct technologies, um, and I don't think either is perfect, and both have strengths and weaknesses. So it does make a lot more sense to um, use uh, use best in class. And I think it gives us, a, as Ed's just pointed out, a bit more freedom when it comes to awarding badges for particular products in particular market segments. Absolutely. So that's the reason we're bringing that in. And of course, there's always the comments section under every review. So if you do have ever have questions about uh, the review, how the review was done, badges and all sorts, then you can post your questions in there. And when the guys have time, because I'm the only full-timer here nowadays, so this was the other change that we wanted to make everybody aware of. So Steve was full-time as assistant editor. He's moved on from that role now. He will be on the podcast. He's still publishing reviews to the site, but you've now gone freelance because you wanted to spread your wings basically and do some different things yeah exactly yeah work with different publications write for different kinds of audiences that kind of thing so uh yes i did previously work exclusively for av forums and now i no longer do but uh, yeah i still do stuff for av forums I mean, you'll still see my reviews of one went up this week and i'll do i'll do the podcast of course welcome yeah. to the world of yeah. shameless corporate whoring because <laughs> ed's already a freelancer I've been, freelan- I've been a freelancer since 2012 so yes um available for you know weddings funerals bar mitzvahs and uh rewriting <laughs> rewriting your website copy do, do feel that's free to get in touch pr- that's a pretty grim wedding speech <laughs> i've never had to write other than my own one which obviously you know we can judge the success of that um <laughs> I'd, I'd be perfectly willing to have a crack at um at, at doing those sort of things or rather if you've got i mean you know i don't want to research your life because frankly that's tedious but if you've got your speech and you just want it to have a little bit of snap you know I, I, i'm, I'm going to blow my own trumpet here i have a way I, a way with words uh, I also know how things are can be can be set up so you can read it comfortably and you know you've got your your pauses for effect and all the rest of it you know just like Tony Blair but not evil. I was just imagining and, it as the only wedding speech with references to thirty thousand pound turntables. <laughs> if you want that, I can do it. But if you want to be off off audio, not a problem at all. So yeah. Uh, you know, just, just, if, you know, uh, as I say, I'm uh, in the process of uh, broadening my horizons slightly. So, you know, why, why not give that a whirl? Okay. And his email address is edthewhore at gmail.com. <laughs> I bet you someone's <laughs> taken that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably right. I think we better do a podcast now. So, competi- oh, really? competitions. Who's the victim um, this week? Um, let's pick on Mark. Okie dokie, you can win a copy of A Quiet Place on 4K Blu ray, and that one closed on the 8th of August. As ever, all competitions open to eligible AV Forums members resident in the UK. Okay, so that's competitions. That's us all up to date with where we are. So we're going to talk hardware news next. Okay, so moving on to hardware news. Uh, we hinted at it last week when we had our, our uh, little Smith & Jones podcast, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Um, that we thought Sony were going to launch two new flagships. It's probably the worst kept secret in the industry, actually, that they were going to introduce two new TVs. And the worst have... kept secret since their last worst kept secret. Yes. Um, however, I wasn't. Uh, I was expecting it to be IFA. I wasn't expecting yeah. them to have a, an event over in New York. But then I, I guess it makes sense to to get out to the world's press. Uh, it's probably the the best place to go and do that. Um, so they have announced the AF9 OLED TV and the ZF9 
LCD TV. So the ZF9 replaces the ZD9. And the AF9 is now the flagship TV in the range because it's now better than the A1 and the AF8. And the reasons for that, Steve, are basically what we've said in our reviews for the last couple of years is give us a CMS, give us a Motocal, and um, full 3D CMS. It's because of the new X1 Ultimate chip there's all the features that we ask for and i really like the the feature on the af9 where you can turn the acoustic surface from a stereo speaker to a center speaker for a multi-channel system that's a, that's a great idea that is a great idea uh yeah i got i got a, I got a look at the x1 ultimate they were demoing it at their event back in february and it did look quite impressive i have to say in terms of its processing capabilities hopefully They'll have a bit more processing power for the smart platform as well, so it won't keep crashing. Yes, um, it's, it is the new Android system. Um, it is a more powerful chip. Uh, hopefully, that will improve things. I've got to say, though, since the last firmware update on the EF8, it's far more stable. I haven't had any crashes on the EF8. Yeah, it's stable, but I calibrated an EF8 in the week, and uh, you press the picture button and wait three seconds for anything to turn up on the screen, which is just yeah. ludicrous. <laughs> it, it is, and somebody says, well, why are you making a big issue of that? Well, when you've got other screens next to it that are doing it instantly and you've got a 500 pound lcd in for review that does things instantly as well it it starts to show that there are issues with stuff but so these these new tvs are going to be called master series which is interesting it's also interesting steve that they are going with the creator intent message uh they're going straight it's, to panasonic's market here aren't they <laughs> but the thing is the, the thing that surprises me is that it's taken sony so long because if you're a professional in the industry you've been using sony gear for decades I mean, absolute decades. We made a a video with Sony two years ago, and we pitched the idea, let's do from camera to to the TV um, as as your video, because obviously you make the best cameras or some of the best cameras in the business. Uh, You definitely got the best monitors in the business when it comes to grading suites and all the rest of it. So why not tell that message? And it it seemed to confuse. uh, I know. know. It's it's amazing that the default professional monitor is the Sony OLED. Yeah. and it's taken this list long to realize that they're in a unique position <laughs> of, of offering something similar to a mass market consumer audience. Now, obviously, uh, Panasonic have been doing this for a few years, haven't they? they that's been their big yeah. selling point. You know, that they've, they've involved with the Hollywood colorist. They've got their, their the um, EZ1000 is used as a, as a sort of a large screen monitor in professional production houses. Um, so it's it's a surprise it's a surprise it's taken so long, but clearly they've now twigged to the fact like it worked. Okay, let's let's use this te- in, you know, this experience and this knowledge to bring a, a TV to the market that um, that people can you know can use. Well, I guess in the same professional manner as well. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the same as a professional monitor. Um, no. The professional monitor is thirty or thousand pounds. Um, they're not they're not going to undercut that by putting the technology you know, piecemeal in, into a consumer product. But you'll get something very similar, I think, in terms of some of the technology that that is in the professional monitors moving over to the consumer TVs and with the calibration features on there now. Because, I mean, some of the times, it depends on, on the panel that you had, but uh, and you'll know more more about this being in the field, Steve, and doing calibration work. But um, nine times out of ten, once you've fixed the, the white balance uh, issues on the panel, normally the colours would come back in in terms of luminance, in terms of saturation yeah. tracking and so on. And your Delta E's would be around about three or under once once you'd done the uh, the white balance and, and gotten that right. Your colour errors wouldn't be as large. But just to have the CMS and the flexibility of having the CMS can make um, difficult panels come into line a far far easier than, than you have at the minute. 
yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I did an AF8 earlier in the week, um, calibrated the grayscale perfectly, and the colors did fall into line um, almost perfectly. They were, I mean, but there was a slight hue error in magenta, which I couldn't fix, um, which I would be able to fix with the CMS. So if they could add a CMS, if they're going to add a CMS, that's excellent. I'd also like to see them add separate picture modes for HDR, uh, and also uh, more than one 10, 10 point setting for like. Because at the moment it's just one ten-point setting, yeah, which is annoying. used for the entire all the picture modes. Which also I'd like to see them stop shoving in backdoor processing and other picture modes. Make it a feature you can turn on and off. Because the only picture mode that's free of any backdoor processing is the Cinema Pro mode. Every other mode has some jiggery pokey going back, and particularly when it comes to gamma, um, like Cinema Home, for example, there's some heavy uh, manipulation of the gamma curve in that mode. So I'd like to see them. Put, if they want to put those features in, that's fine, but put them in as, as things you can turn on off in the menu system. So there's, there's a lot of little quirks in the Sony that annoy me, um, and it's very much that kind of Sony thing, isn't it, where they always have to go their own way sometimes. There's some things they do are brilliant, though, like actually calling the brightness control black level, which is what it is, it's a lot more... Uh, it makes a lot more sense than calling it the brightness yeah, control, which yeah. is what it's been traditionally called, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with the brightness of the TV. And the control on something that's called brightness actually does affect the brightness of the picture. So a bit of logic there is quite good. Um, but sometimes they just do strange stuff because um, they're Sony, I guess, and that's what they do. But it certainly well, sounds like an interesting TV. Yeah, TVs. What's, what's going on with this with this Netflix mode? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, I think it's that. a bit of that sounds like bullshit. Yeah, that sounds like bullshit. <laughs> I mean, Netflix will be using when they're when they're co- you know when they're um, co- you know mastering content for SDR, they'll use the SDR standards that everybody else uses and always has. And when it comes to HDR, they'll still be using the same basic standards. They'll be using DCI-P3 within Rec 2020 and either a th- well, I think a thousand nits, isn't it, with Netflix content? So that just sounds like a bit of marketing bullshit to me. With us as spoken, <laughs> and is the OLED still going to have the angled stand? Do we know? Uh, yes, it does. Yeah, so it in still the has, picture, still it definitely has, is. Yeah, it? it does. We haven't actually seen the TVs yet. Yeah, so it's, there are some improvements in there. It's nice that they have been listening to some of the feedback as well because now all four HDMIs are 2.0Bs. Um, so all four uh, can are now full-fat HDMI. The only thing is Dolby Vision. Um, we still don't know if they're still doing their version of Dolby Vision. I suspect, and this is just my speculation, but I suspect with the Ultimate, the X1 Ultimate processor, this is going to be proper implementation of Dolby good, Vision. Good. That's, that, that, that would be my interpretation yeah, yeah. Of, of this. I would tend to agree with you. And it's interesting that Carmen, um, they, they seem to be clearing up in terms of the market. Well, they've got all four the major I think they've got all four, four now. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah all so four. all got all Cal. So I'll be interested to see how that works as well. And it shouldn't be confused that AutoCAL um, works for consumers. It doesn't. It's just um, it gives professionals an easier way to work with the panels than, than they are at the minute. Um, although there seems to be uh, mixed reactions as to how the system is implemented at the minute. But then it's it's a new technology, Steve. It's still teething problems and so on. And I guess with the feedback that Calman are getting a picture um, and uh, portrait displays who now uh, own Calman, uh, the feedback they're getting, hopefully that'll develop into some something that's useful for everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will. I mean, they're, they're very good at taking on board feedback and uh, updating the software to reflect the feedback that they get. Uh, they're always looking to improve the product, which is excellent. And, uh, you know, I think one day, particularly when you look at the LG TVs, where the uh, AutoCAD is actually built into the hardware rather than just a software implementation, um, you know, there's no reason why at some point in the future you couldn't, uh, and I think this is something that Toshiba played around with a few years ago, didn't they, where you, you get a small, uh, a small color meter 
cheap color meter and you attach it to TV and the TV calibrates itself, basically. Um, that, that could be something that we'll see in the future. But uh, yeah, at the moment, it's, it's basically a tool to help professional calibrators. I mean, you need the software a color meter pattern generator to use this stuff. So it's not something you can just do yourself unless you borrow the equipment and you know how to use it. But uh, it, it's, it basically speeds up the calibration process. So that's, uh, that's new displays from Sony. We look forward to seeing them at IFA. Uh, we'll finally get some hands-on time with them, have a bit look around in the menu systems and so on, see what changes have been made there, and hopefully get them through for review as quickly as we can as well. Um, it's it's interesting that a lot of the focus seems to be on the AF9 and the ZF9 hasn't been given an awful lot of focus, especially in the press releases as well. There, was, there wasn't as much detail on the ZF, so maybe they're holding something back for IFA. Yeah, because my first thought was, well, I wonder how many zones it's using and I wonder how bright it goes. Because uh, that, um, that could be interesting. Because the Z9, Z9 was, was a cracker telly, wasn't it? So. Yeah. Okay, so we look forward to that. Um, more TV news, TCL, Chinese manufacturer. They've been going a long time. We see them every year at CES. But we've never actually covered them, although we've gone and looked at their product and looked at what they were launching in the States. We've never looked because they, they've never seemed to have been interested in the UK market, Steve, but they look like they're coming this year. They are, yeah. They've got a bunch of TVs coming. Um, they've announced, did they? Did they announce when they're actually coming or just that they're coming? Uh, I believe the, the models uh, they've announced are available now on Amazon. Yeah, okay. Okay, excellent. Uh, and the models in question are a 43 and 45 inch 4K smart TV with UHD, HDR, HDR10 and HLG plus YouTube, Netflix and 4K. Uh, that's the DP608, which retails for £499 of the 55 inch. Now, how, how much was the 55 inch Hisense that you reviewed? Um, you can pick it up for 579 Right, right, so it's actually even cheaper than the, than the, um, than the Hisense. Now, yep. of course, when these TVs say HDR, as I'm sure you can testify to with the Hisense, I don't mean it does HDR particularly well, um, yep. or they have any uh, very much brightness. But um, yes, it seems um, that's coming. And also there's the DP648, which uh, is, comes in 43, 50, 55, and 65-inch screen sizes. And also there'll be a uh, higher-end DC748. I wish I'll have an integrated JBL soundbar, and that'll be in a 55 and a 65-inch uh, screen size. So, yeah, it looks like they're really targeting the high sense end of the market in terms of price point, at least, uh, and features. So, uh, be interesting to see how they actually perform in terms of picture quality. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, I'm going to catch up with them if I have time. I'm going to go and catch up with them at uh, IFA uh, in a couple of weeks uh, just to see what the products are like, and um, we'll see if we can get them in for review as well, because I have been featuring some of the, the lower-end TVs. And like you say, when you get to this kind of price point, um, I think anything under really a £1,000, um, you're going to struggle with HDR. There seems to be this perception that LCD TVs are, are way brighter than OLED. That, that's not the case once you get under a £1,000, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the HDR performance tends to drop off quite quickly. Um, and even this cello TV that I'm reviewing this week, no HDR on it doesn't do HDR. It's it's a 1.4 HDMI input. So it does 4K up to 30 frames. No HDR though. So yeah. Well, maybe that, that's more honest to say, look, we don't do HDR because it's not bright enough than, than saying something is HDR and actually really it, it isn't. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that is. Right, so that's TVs wrapped up for this week. Um, we've got lots of things in the pipeline. Uh, I'm secret squirreling next week. I'm looking at three products next week, which I can't talk about till IFA, but some excitement there. I'm excited. I, I'm so excited I'm going to drive down. And I, I very rarely drive down these days, uh, down south. So so I can't talk about that next week or the week after, but uh, IFA week will be able to tell you that there will be a video with it as well. And um, 
So look out for that. There's some interesting products coming uh, very soon. Right, Ed, over to you. Uh, you weren't here for the podcast at the end of the month last week, so we're going to get your vinyl release playlist and album of the month. Yeah. Okay, uh, album of the month is uh, one for those of us who, how should we put this, are more experienced, that is to say, been doing it for a bit too long. Um, there is a new the album Jimi Hendrix out. album. <laughs> no, but there's an album out by a group called Hybrid this month. Um, it is their first album in a very, very long time. Um, they have been concentrating on uh, tinkering with their old stuff and doing a lot of computer game work, interestingly. Um, but they have now finally released a studio album. It's called, bizarrely, it's called Light of the Fearless, which I think is a slightly crap title, but there you are. Um, but it's a ve- I think it's, it's a pretty good album. And I would also say it's one of those things where you think this sort of sounds at times derivative, but it's important to stress that in some regards, some of the sounds being made there, hybrid were the first people to do it. The sort of mix of, of, of orchestral and an electronic effect. Um, and I think it's a damn good listen. It is specifically, it's the album of the month this month, because whilst there will apparently be a vinyl release of it, I would suggest that that's going to be completely pointless. Hybrid has always been about, um, the, the sort of quality as it is on uh, as a digital release there is apparently going to be a high-res digital download and i suspect that that could be really rather good indeed so it's on the, the major um uh, streaming services as well if you want to have a listen before before splashing any hard-earned money but no i that would be my album of the month uh playlist of the month is short and sweet it's nine tracks long it's on title and it's the deep cuts of dj shadow um, now you think, oh, oh no, no, um, I'm, I'm in for that. Uh, basically, it's just a reminder that, that he's done so much stuff, and some of it you'd never associate with being him. Um, and uh, it's it's really impressive. It's also an opportunity to listen to what, to my mind, is my favourite piece of work that Tom York of Radiohead has ever done, which is Rabbit in Your Headlights on yeah. the original Encore album. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, vinyl release of the month. Do you know what? It's a format that is of limited interest to any of the rest of you here, but I suspect it might might be of passing interest to you. There is a US record label called Mondo who specialise in film material. Yes. Um, yeah. They were the people yeah. that did the they were the people that did the Fight Club album that yeah. I had to destroy to get into. Mercifully, this one you don't have to destroy it, and I do genuinely want it. I have to work out if I can afford it at the end of the month. They have released the Atomic Blonde soundtrack on a really beautiful piece of um of of, of vinyl and artwork. Um uh, the Atomic Blonde soundtrack, as far as I'm concerned, on the best of last year. I absolutely adored it. And um, this is this is an original soundtrack or collection of 80s songs. It's the 80s songs. It's not yeah. the score. Um, okay. So it's it's just. So, so, so Ed, is there a Blondie track on there? I believe there is. Yeah, it must, be. <laughs> must be. Must uh, uh, be. Is it Atomic? <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, actually, no, it isn't. We've got. Uh, there's Cat People brackets putting out the fire by David yeah, Bowie. Awesome song. Ma- Major Tom by Peter Schilling, which is bloody marvellous. Uh, the German band Health's cover of Blue Monday, uh, a track which would cause us to be bleeped by Tyler Bates. Uh, the proper German version of 99 Red Balloons, uh, George Michael's father figure, 
to Commissar, Cities in Dust by Susie and the Banji, Politics of Dancing by Reflex, uh, Stigmata by Marilyn Manson and Tyler Bates, which is part of, actually part of the score. Tyler Bates' demonstration, that's also part of the score. I Ran, Bracket So Far Away by Flock of Seagulls, great track. Um, a different version of 99 Red Balloons, obviously. Uh, Voices Carry by Till Tuesday, London Calling by The Cash, and then another part of the score by Tyler Bates. So I, I will be in like Flynn for that. Uh, it looks great. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, those, those are my bits and bobs. We'll, we'll, we'll be coming back to the 80s a bit later on. Uh, when we talk about TV shows. But anyway, uh, thanks for that, Ed. So that wraps up Hardware News. We'll be back in a sec with movie reviews and news. Okay, so um, I didn't go to the cinema yesterday. Uh, dog sitting, weren't you? <laughs> I was dog sitting. Uh, yeah, proofread all Edge reviews. So they're all proofed. Thanks to the dog. Uh, yeah, I had the dog say, and um, I still haven't caught up with the original Ant-Man yet. Um, so it was pointless. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't want to see a film that I hadn't seen the first one for. So, uh, it, bu- you didn't need to have seen the first one to right. have seen this one, to okay. be fair. Right. But. Well, I, I might go over the weekend. I've still got to go in and see Mission Impossible in IMAX. I, I really want to go and see that in IMAX before it uh, disappears off that screen. So, um, so yeah, I might just make a day of it one, one day next week and, and go and do both. But you've been to see it, so what did you think? I have. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, I appreciate um, that it's going to seem like a bit of an anti-climax after the events of Infinity War. And there's no, no getting around that fact, really. But then again, the original Ant-Man came out after Avengers Age of Ultron. So I guess I, I can I kind of think of it as basically an amuse-bouche or, you know, or something just to cleanse the palate after feels Infinity a bit War. Like, feels a bit like Marvel's kind of B-list, you know, one of those kind of characters. Yeah, it's like a support feature, really. It's like, you know, we've got yeah. another film coming out, because, you know, if you've done... Obviously, they could have gone Infinity War Part 1 and straight into Part 2, whatever they're going to call it, you know, and not had anything in between. But I think, that in some senses, this is quite a nice thing to have a bit, of, a bit of a... After all the intensity of that film, Infinity War, you want something a bit lighter, a bit funnier, a bit more of a laugh, a bit more of a romp, um, before we go back into the second part. So I actually quite like that aspect of it. But I can understand why some people would consider it to be a bit of an anti-climax because, you know, Infinity War was, was a massive film and with a you know, very strong ending, shall we say. And this film, you know, you think, oh, going back before Infinity War, cause it does take place before Infinity War. Um, and, you know, is that... Could they, I can see how people would feel that way. But personally, I like the characters. I like Paul Rudd. I think it was fun and entertaining. It was very funny. Lots of jokes. Um, very similar to the original Ant-Man. Uh, I, I enjoyed the plot. I liked the protagonist. I thought the, the I also thought that the antagonist, the hero... Sorry, the, the antagonist, the villain, um, had an interesting backstory. And again, it was more sympathetic, a bit like the villain in Black Panther. You know, there's more of a, a story behind them. And therefore, you felt that, you know, they weren't all bad. It wasn't just some, some cackling lunatic. So I like that aspect of it. Uh, there's some cracking action sequences in it, some really good set pieces, imaginative use of changing in scale and size and everything like that. Uh, so I actually thought it was a really fun romp. And uh, it, it all revolves around this thing called the Quantum Realm, which was introduced in Ant-Man is a major plot point in this film. And I know in Kaz's review, he was like giving it six out of 10 and saying, oh, you know, it's just a minor film and it could have been wrapped up in a, in 20 minutes. And I, I think he's missing the point. I'm pretty sure the quantum realm is going to be a massive, massive plot point in the next Avengers movie. That's my, my take. Uh, so it's setting up important plot points for the next film. And that's why it exists. And that's why it's here. Plus, of course, Ant-Man wasn't in Infinity War. Um, and that's explained why in this film. But he's definitely in the next one because I've seen you know behind the scenes 
photographs and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, they were setting up Ant-Man for this in the same way that Captain Marvel, which comes out, I think, in February or March next year, that will be set in the 90s. And again, it's setting up an important character uh, who was alluded to right at the very end of Infinity War. So these two films are going to set up various plot points that are going to be important when you actually see the second part of Infinity War. Uh, and, and I should say that Ant-Man and the Wasp it does reference Infinity War at the end. So it, it's, it's all part of a plan and it works for me and, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was a fun, entertaining romp, lighthearted, funny and therefore a nice antidote to what was a pretty heavy movie in terms of Infinity War. So uh, yeah, I, I give it 8 out of 10. What's it its runtime, Steve? Under two hours, just under two hours. Right. It's not a long movie. It's not overly, overtly long. It's, it's, it's a nice tight running time. Uh, I didn't think I'd say it's welcome. Uh, I, I wasn't bored at any point. You know, I didn't find myself looking at my watch. I, I didn't agree with Kaz's review at all. I thought he missed the point entirely. But, you know, each to their own opinion, Ooh, of course. Fight until shots yeah. fired. He's, he's not here. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I felt like, you know, for me, I, I went in expecting an Ant-Man movie. And my one complaint would probably be that for an Ant-Man movie, Ant-Man's not in it as much as you might expect. <laughs> There's a lot more of the Wasp. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, like I say, I, I enjoyed it. It's a fun, entertaining two hours. Plenty of jokes, nice characters. I, I think Paul Rudd's a very charming leading man as well. So, um, yeah, go and, check it out. And I'll use the cliched uh, phrase, if we all liked the same thing, it'd be a pretty boring world. It would indeed. It would <laughs> uh, the Meg's coming, Steve. I know, next week. So, films come opening this week, as in on Friday. Uh, there's three films, but only one really matters. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll mention the other two first. <laughs> so uh, there's Unfriended Dark Web, which is a sequel to Unfriended. Uh, I haven't seen it, but it's basically one of those films where they shoot it on, I don't know, cameras and laptops, I think. So it's all very low low budget. Found um, footage. Yes, thank you, found footage. Um, uh, Unfriended, I think, actually got quite good reviews, but uh, I've got no real interest in it. Uh, and also The Darkest Mind, which I've seen trailers for uh, at the cinema. And if the best thing they can come up with is from the producer of Stranger Things, you know they're reaching. Uh, it just looks like another adult, a young adult um, adaptation. And again, I have no interest in it because those two films matter not a jot, because this week we get The Meg with Jason Statham and a gigantic shark. And what more could you possibly want? <laughs> I am currently trying to work out whether you or Mark Craven, the uh, editor of Home Cinema Choice, is more excited about yeah, this. Because uh, both, both of you are Craven, actually... Craven. <laughs> Craven, definitely. Craven, it's Craven. He is, uh, he's got a yeah, major yeah. man crush on, on Statham. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going oh. gi- to give... I'll give, I'll give Statham to Craven because I want the rock. <laughs> 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 so both of us can fight it out next year when the rock Statham... <laughs> Um, Fast and Furious spin-off comes out. Oh, hell. No, this is good. The only thing is, it's uh, it's released on the Friday, isn't it? So yeah, um, so we can't see it before the podcast. Can't see it before the podcast. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to review it the week after that. Um, it does yeah. look like it. I have to be honest. It does at least look like every single person from the catering staff upwards looks like they have enjoyed themselves immensely yeah. in the creation of it. And every now and again. We've had this conversation. Not everything needs to be worthy. Not everything needs to shoot for an Oscar. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to have a laugh. Exactly. This this feels almost like the pinnacle of you know like that kind of high concept era from you know Simpson and Bruckheimer, where everything had to be kind of boiled down to a, a pithy little pitch or something like that. But this works. Just say to someone, Statham versus a mega shark. <laughs> And you don't need anything more than that. It's it's like Steve said uh, last week or the week before. You know, the line in the trailer that hooks everybody in is, is him saying, "It's Megalodon." <laughs> it's a Megalodon, yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. Do you know uh, what? I, I mean, I keep saying this. I might go and see it. The problem is, every time I finish my work for debt, it's like, oh, shall I go to the cinema? It's like, well, it's quite a long way away. It's quite expensive. And I've got a lot of records to listen to. And then I don't go anywhere. So um, we'll see. We'll see if the lure of Jason Statham and a biblically sized shark is enough to drag my sorry ass out of the house and off to the cinema. It'll be an interesting psychological test. Yep. Well, if you do, then we can all review it uh, the following week on the podcast because uh, unfortunately it comes out on the Friday when we record. Right, so that's films coming out this week. Uh, Blu-ray releases, I'm expecting Ready Player One on 4K to drop through the letterbox any minute. Yeah, uh, I've got mine already because I've got it from yeah, the Yeah, you got it from the yeah, um, sorry. Looks and sounds <laughs> awesome. What, what a good comeback that was. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate. How do you type that? Because that that could have been our uh, byline for the week. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Monday we got Ready Player One in uh, regular Blu-ray, 3D Blu-ray, and 4K disc. I actually ordered the 3D Blu-ray as well because I want to see it in 3D because I think it might look quite good. <laughs> um. Uh, also, Isle of Dogs is out on Blu-ray. I, I watched this earlier this week, actually. Again, I got a disc from the States. And um, I, I, it's Wes Anderson. It's very Wes Anderson. But I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It looks gorgeous. The, the top-motion animation is fantastic. Um, it's got a cracky soundtrack, too, with a lot of Japanese drumming, which is a, a nice little test for how tight your bass is. And, um, and uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's absolutely wall-to-wall Wes, Wes Anderson. A complete Wes Anderson movie, and and if you like Wes Anderson style, you'll love this. If you're not a fan, you're not going to like it at all. But it's got a cracking voice cast too, which everyone who's ever worked with Wes Anderson, I think. Um, so for me, that comes recommended. We've got Death Wish uh, on Blu-ray, uh, and that's the remake of Death, the Charles Bronson Death Wish movie with um, Bruce Willis in the lead role. I think it's directed by um, what's his face? Did uh, was it the guy that made? Um, damn it, I've forgotten his name. You've forgotten and both the film and his name. That's quite an achievement. Yeah, yeah completely gone. He made that thing. I, I, I don't think it was Eric important. Roth. Eric Roth, is it? Something Roth. Um, anyway, it's not important. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm not even sure Death Did it even get a cinema release in this country? It didn't do particularly well. AB uh, Forum's podcast coming at you with all the facts. <laughs> <laughs> Asterisk. Some facts. Periodically. Who anyway, are you again? If you've seen Death Wish or any of its various sequels, you'll know what to expect. Bloke's wife, um, wife and daughter in the original film get get um, raped and murdered, and then he goes on a death killing spree, uh, vigilante killing spree. So I guess it's going to be something similar. Uh, uh, yeah. Although you know, I like a bit of Bruce. So Bruce killing people that sounds quite entertaining. Uh, the Terminal, which is a sort of sci-fi thriller with Margot Robbie, uh, they look quite interesting in the trailers, I have to say. So I might check that out. There's also Blockers, which is a uh, a comedy about a bunch of parents basically cock-blocking their kids, um, hence the title. And uh, there's also an animated film, Death of Superman, uh, out on Blu-ray, which was a competition prize up until the Monday this podcast goes up. Sexizing videotape is coming from Criterion, so that's um, Steven Soderbergh's first movie. Um, we've also got, I guess, re-releases, or at least first-time Blu-ray releases for Bachelor Party, which is the first one I ever saw Tom Hanks in. Actually, I saw that before I saw Splash. And also The Truth About Cats and Dogs, which is actually a really nice romantic comedy and worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Okay, good stuff. Right, so we're going to go to... Um, have you mentioned everything on UHD Blu-ray? Did you mention... Uh, Ready Player One, obviously, is getting a 4K disc release this week as well. And also, and this is interesting, you're getting, um, uh, well, Predator, plus also a three-disc set of all three Predator movies, Predator, movies, Predator, Predator 2, and Predators. Um, that's coming out on 4K disc as well, and I'm going to pick that up. I'm really curious to see 
if they finally managed to get Predator done properly. Because I think the first time they released it, it was um, DNR to Death. And the second, or well, I think maybe it was either the first time they released it was DNR to Death and then re released it um, without any DNR. And obviously everyone moaned about the amount of grain, uh, or it was the other way around. I can't remember which. But um, yeah, it's had, it's had a, a, a problematic history on, on home video. So hopefully this time, 20th Century Fox have finally got it right. Yeah, I just think it's a difficult source. That's, that's the uh, it's a very grainy movie. That's yeah. the end of the story. Yeah. That's the way it was shot. The film stock they used, the conditions they shot under, it was a quite a low-budget film, actually, at the time. And that's, it's just it's just a grainy film and just have to accept that fact. Yeah, that's it. Right, so we're going to do TV shows of the month because we, uh, we kept this back because we knew that Mark and Ed at least watched some TV. Uh, so they would have some input on this one uh, rather than just me and Steve last week. So... Uh, I just want to mention two that are BBC4 at the minute. BBC4 are excellent for uh, their documentary series, and um, especially on a Friday with the music. Uh, if you've any interest in music, um, they, they do some really nice stuff. The problem is there's a lot of repeats, um, but you do get original series coming along. And I just wanted to mention Smashed Hits, uh, which was mid-year and came up will be three episodes um, going through different cities in the UK during the 80s when we had an explosion all sorts of different uh, styles of music from new romantics through to uh, hip-hop and house and uh, it's really really interesting really interesting to get some of the stories behind where a, a lot of these things came from i mean the the story of soul to soul and their sound system fascinating I, I i found that really interesting um and how they made it big um so all the way through to pete waterman and and pwl and all that kind of thing um so if you any interest in music i uh, highly recommend that one did anybody else catch it i uh, this is embarrassing. I have uh, actually only turned my television on once this week to watch one program, which I'll come to. <laughs> which? <laughs> okay. Anybody else catch, catch this one? Smash it. I was going to watch it, but I didn't get around to it, so it is worth checking out, is it? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. If you've any interest in, in the different musical styles, and, and I go through everything that, that sort of broke into the scene, because the 80s was, in terms of uh, the mixture and different styles of music that came through, um, really was a, a decade to to pay attention to so it is interesting the other one for film fans is Mark Kermode's uh, documentary series at the minute where he goes through all different movie styles I've seen the, the yeah, romantic comedy one I've still got to catch up with the rest but uh, on iPlayer and um, you can't go wrong with a bit of Kermode um, he knows his stuff but, when it comes to film yeah I've been meaning to, to check that out but he said for some for some reason I thought it was a strange choice to start with the one about musicals I, I don't know what started with romantic comedies. It was romantic comedies was the first one. It's the only one I've it's seen. The romantic comedies, heist films, and what was the most recent one? Um, <clears throat> no, the recent no, the recent one was heist films. The first one was musicals. No, first one was was romantic comedies. All right, it doesn't no. matter. No. It, it's no, it's on BBC. No, no, it no we're going to fight. No. All right. Okay. Oh, oh, did you do musicals? I don't I know. Imagine I, it. I don't know, but I've I've seen the romantic comedy one, and it was really good. And I like the way he does things. And I recommend you go and watch it because there will be one on musicals, and there'll also be one on heist movies. By the sounds of it, and sci-fi and horror, which and sci-fi and horror, right? Okay. Um, but if you get a chance, go and check them out. Right, Mark, what, what are you going to recommend? Um, something that I I don't know. I I find it very charming, but um. Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse going fishing. Oh, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? It's, it's been just really, really good. And it's been so... I, I, I didn't expect it to be quite as kind of honest and as them to be as kind of laid open as they are. You know, it's yeah. it's just very much old school television. I was discussing this with someone the other day and they were saying, you don't get shows like that made anymore where you can just allow a long pause. 
just these kind of two yeah. men they're going fishing they know each other well and you don't have to cut out the middle of the conversation when there's a pause you can just leave it all in there and it's just yeah it it, it almost feels like you're going fishing with them it's just it's a kind of lovely friendship and it, it just very very endearing very charming yeah. I, again i've only seen one but yeah it was it was it, it had me hooked excuse the pun um yeah, really interesting. And unlike me when I edit this podcast and I, and I do edit out the really long pauses. <laughs> what is that noise? It's that getting noise. really annoying. Sorry, sorry. It's my... I've got... Uh... Your love eggs again. <laughs> yeah. Swiping left and right. Right. Uh, anything oh. else, Mark? No, I was just going to say also, um, if, if you're interested in stand-up comedy, Stuart Lee's content provider... Um, yeah, you yeah. don't often get decent stand-up on terrestrial TV anymore. It's weird. It now feels like almost like, you know, it, it's kind of all shuffled away into Netflix and places like that. And so you're stuck with simply small sets from like, you know, Live at the Apollo and stuff like that. To, so to get a proper themed show that goes through, it must be like best part of a couple of hours. Yeah, Two hours, yeah. yeah it, it really feels like, you know, you're, yeah, it's like a proper kind of evening show. It's really good. Yeah, I, I, it, he's got one of these styles where you either get it or you don't like it. But I, I've got to say, I find it very, very, very clever. It, I, I, sometimes that's the thing he happy falls into. Is his comedy is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He will deconstruct jokes in a way that is quite exceptional. But it's not always necessarily that funny. No, it's no, sometimes no. too clever yeah. and not funny enough. But no. I do admire um, Stuart Lee, and when he is funny, he's really funny. But he's also incredibly clever in the way he structures comedy yeah but he's yeah. deconstructing comedy and he's kind of deconstructing himself as well and i love the fact that it uses the little kind of interludes like in um comedy vehicle where they'd have armando inucci asking him questions in this one they've got a uh, pretty sure it's alan moore you know the comic book writer and at one yeah. point he asked him about uh comic creations and he said going back if you're coming up with a, a you know a comic character if you were going to do it again would you not have come up with a better persona you know, <laughs> so it, it's quite kind of brutal in that sense. Yeah, sometimes really meta, really. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Ed, you switched your TV on for one program. What was it? Inside the factory. I love it. I'm sorry, I make no bones about the fact I find it a genuinely edifying hour of television. It works on many levels. I, I it's always quite impressive to see the, the incredible processes that go into making very humdrum things but then on another level it's really great fun watching the people in these factories doing their best not to punch greg wallace i was going to say <laughs> <laughs> um because yeah. he'll say something stupid and you can see that they're just you know there's just that momentary flash across their face like if i feed him into this machine there'll <laughs> be much, some problems how much jail time will i get yeah um, greg wallace sausages so, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I, honestly, I'm watching so little television. You know, my, my, my B7 just sits there inert doing precisely bug. Well, I mean, when my son comes, it, it, we use it to watch episodes of Danger Mouse. Um, and that's it. The original it, Danger Mouse or the new Danger Mouse? Both. Um, I, and I have to say, on a, as a tangent thing, um, much as, you know, I'm periodically sceptical about remaking things, I do think new Danger Mouse stands comparison to the original. Uh, say, do they do they reuse as much kind of as many shots as they did in the original? No, <laughs> realised clearly... that in the original they just they had about thirty seconds worth of shots and managed to stretch it out so far. Yes, this is absolutely true. Make, made Hanna Barbera look um, like yeah, uh, Snow White. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more going on with the new ones. Uh, so, but no, I I'm just watching so it's just Uh Alexander Armstrong is Danger Mouse. Oh, yeah. uh, Kevin Eldon does Penfold. Uh, yeah. 
one of our most underrated comic talents, Kevin yeah. Eldon. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I mean, I've always loved him from going back to Stuart Lee when it was Leon Herring's um, Fist of Fun and he was uh, Simon Quinlank Hobby King. <laughs> One of the greatest comedic creations of the last 30 years with his weak lemon drink. I absolutely loved that. Um, and um, yeah, uh, Stephen Fry's in there. Uh, bizarre. L- uh, uh, La- What's her chops? The woman who did uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles and uh, is uh, Cersei Lannister. Lana. Oh, you mean uh, Lena, Lena Hedy? That, yeah, she she crops up periodically, which I think is quite peculiar. Um, and um, yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all my television does these days: Danger Mouse and Inside the Factory. Okay, so we'll wrap up with. Steve. <laughs> I just love the way you went. Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles and Game of Thrones and Cersei Lannister. When I suspect no one saw the first, the former, and everyone knows who the latter is. You should have just gone with the Game of Thrones, Cersei Lannister. Look, I'm. You you are a fine one to lecture me on thought processes as you tell us about films where you can't remember the title or the people in it. So, <laughs> frankly, you can do one. <laughs> That's two of us doing one. Right. Uh, let's wrap up on Steve. I've no doubt you've watched lots of TV. Not a massive amount. I watched. Uh, I did enjoy C- Commode's um, new series. I-, I like that. That's quite good. And uh, I got. it took me a bit of time to get into it, but I'm really into Luke Cage now on Netflix, so I'm enjoying that. Also enjoying Preacher, which is on Amazon. And season three of Preacher, that's good fun. Um, otherwise, oh, and I'm just finishing, um, and again, it's grown on me. It took some time, but it's grown on me. It's another Marvel series called uh, Cloak and Dagger, which is also on Amazon. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I've not been watching a lot of telly, I have to say. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I've been finding recently. I'm watching a hell of a lot of YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, I've really found, I, I blame some of my friends for this, but I, Techmo, and I've started watching a lot of his videos yeah, yeah. because they're really good fun. Um, also, there's a guy called Technology Connections who does something similar. Um, did a really good thing about the why Laserdisc failed, which I quite enjoyed. Fat Man on Batman, they go on for they're worse than us. <laughs> those two, they go on for two hours. So that's two hours a week taken away by watching that. Although you it's don't really have funny to watch it. I don't, but they are really funny. And and Kevin Smith is just such a, both of them actually and Mark Menard and they are so like. So I take it he's he's now fully recovered after his health. Yes, scare. and he's yeah. lost a shitload of weight. Right, he's gone okay. vegan all things um i guess a heart attack will get you onto a diet if nothing else will <laughs> but um both of those guys they're, they're obviously they're kind of they because uh, mark bernardin wrote for the hollywood reporter among many other things and is currently writing a show i'm looking forward to which is the new stephen king series castle rock which is coming out i think on amazon uh and um and obviously kevin smith is you know he's been a director and writer for years they both have quite a nice inside track on hollywood but they are both really funny and and um I, I highly recommend it if you like. It's a good two hours. It's a bit like this show. It's listening to two guys. They, they literally do it in a pub. They do it in the um, scum and villainy cantina in Hollywood, which is basically like the cantina in Star Wars. And it's so they, they're in a bar talking about movies for two hours. What more do you want? <laughs> All right. Well, they, they've changed the format then from from when I used to watch it uh, quite a bit because it used to be in a studio with, with them just standing yeah. at a table. It, um, it's all changed now. And I know you know it's still called Fat Men on Batman. Um there's nothing that's they just talk about movies so it's just a movie a show where two guys who know what they're talking about okay. talk about movies and they are both very funny very witty and they have great chemistry together and it is a show i highly recommend so you could just watch the audio well you could just listen to the audio is what yes. i mean you don't have to it's watch not, it yeah. exactly. you can put it on what i do i just stick it on in the background while i'm doing something else uh, and just listen to them chatting away okay i'll uh, i'll go and check that one out thanks steve i, I sent one over to you ed um recently 
Um, so if you like your car stuff and you like people messing around with cars and all the rest of it, I found this channel just by chance. Um, two young guys from Alabama, they're in their 20s, they're brothers. Um, it's in their backyard and basically they go to this scrapyard and they buy um, accident damaged cars and then it's them rebuilding them and rebuilding the title on them uh, and, and getting them roadworthy again to, to sell on and make money or, or whatever. Um, so the reason I started watching it is because one of the cars that they, they got was a, a Mustang GT and, and they built that. Like, you could have guessed <laughs> that. And it starts out really amateurish and you're thinking, what is this? And then before you know it, you are hooked and you sit and you watch every episode. The episodes are about 20 to 25 minutes each. It's just them in their backyard with their kitten called Thomas and other animals running around and all the rest of it and it's them working on a car and they're basically they have some skills obviously that I think that the dad looking at it was a, a mechanic and a long distance lorry driver and that kind of thing. So they've had a little bit of tuition into things but it's them basically getting cars and learning uh, all about them and learning how to fix them and I find that addict really addictive watching um, and they've now started on a Corvette Z06 that's what they're building now they've built vans and stuff in the past and trucks and that kind of thing so if you like your wheeler dealers and, and that kind of thing but you want it a little bit more in depth a little bit more off off the wall basically um, with with the deep south accents um, it's, it's really entertaining did you manage to get a, a look at it Ed? Uh, I have looked very briefly yes uh your friendly reminder that obviously data is a precious resource here, but um, yeah, I, I was it, it was it was intriguing. Um, the accents are good as well, you know. That's always uh, game for a laugh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's on the the list of things to do as and when I get real internet back. Okay, so if anybody's interested in that one, it's called Goon Squad um, on uh, YouTube. So just search that. The, they must be doing well because I looked uh, at the first videos and had a couple of hundred thousand views and I've gone back and looked at the original episodes now and this is only like four weeks and they're now over a million. Um, so obviously the, you know, there's a lot of people getting into it and like I say, it's addictive stuff. So anybody else been watching YouTube? Anybody got recommendations for, for stuff? Mm. Well, I, I read Red Letter Media. I, I always enjoy them. Yeah. Um, they do some funny stuff, and they do. They're, although they're, although they, they always annoy me a... though, because at the beginning mm. of the video they muck about and do really bad comedy comedy skit, skits which don't work. And I know that's meant to be part of the joke, but I just I just I skip that bit and go straight to when they're talking about the film. Yeah, the, the only do thing that that annoys well? the only thing that annoys me as well is they do the um they they will do um a whole episode on a film that's coming out. And they'll do it as their preview, and it's got nothing to do with the film whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, don't, and, I don't watch those. And they're just but, messing around. So I tend when to when they do the half in the bag where they review a film recently come out, that's usually quite good because uh, I tend to agree with them, and they're quite funny. Uh, and also their review is quite good when they pick a crappy film from years ago and they go over it again. Um, that could be quite good fun too. So there's some good stuff there, but there is some stuff I usually skip. And um, Screen Junkies is always still good for fun. Um, the, the honest trailers and that sort of stuff um, remains enjoyable. Can I just make a brief apology? Uh, <laughs> Mark Como didn't do anything on musicals. <laughs> oh, he's done romantic comedies, heist movies, and coming-of-age movies so far. Yeah, and that's what I said. Sci-fi. <laughs> hey, at least you're honest, and you put your hands up to making a mistake, yeah, Mark. Fair play. Yeah, fair play. Fair play. Plus you well, just in, in case you left it in the edit. <laughs> yeah. um, I would be leaving it in the edit, don't you, buddy? And uh, you... Right, okay. Um, to wrap up, let's finish with some Star Wars news. Uh, episode 9 cast has been announced. Mark Hamill's in there, so obviously Luke Skywalker's coming back. JJ's found a way of bringing him back. Probably as a Force Ghost. As a Force Ghost, obviously. <laughs> yeah, probably. More than likely. Um, although he could wake up in the shower. A whole Bobby Ewing scene. <laughs> that would be great. 
Has anyone ever had a shower and <laughs> pick up in a Bacta tank? What and and the last Jedi never happened. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> that is probably the best way around it. I think just have Luke Skywalker open his eyes in a Bacta tank, and we're back at Empire. I'll <laughs> 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 make the start all over again. <laughs> yeah, no Ewoks. That never happened. Yep, we can we can we can fix all of this. Um, yeah, it'd be a bit like in Deadpool, Deadpool 2 with the time machine at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Big time, kid. <laughs> um, yeah, so they announced the cast, which starts filming uh, on Monday, I think. So the day this podcast goes up, the filming starts uh, at Pinewood. Uh, no, it started uh, the other day, actually. I thought it was... Uh, no, the, the Star Wars show did a, a whole thing uh, when they started Oh, yeah, filming. you're right. They have started filming. Yeah. So it must have been the first of all... I think it was the first of August, and that's when they started, yeah. Which was... When was that? Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. So they started on Wednesday, last Wednesday. Uh, yes, but so they announced the cast, and uh, obviously there's you know who you'd expect: Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, um, um, Adam Driver, Donald Gleeson, um, Chewbacca, Anthony Daniels. You know everyone who was still around at the end of <laughs> end of um, end of the Last Jedi. They've announced Mark Hamill, so clearly he's coming back as a Force ghost. They've announced Billy D. Williams, and they're going to use footage of. Uh, Carrie Fisher from The Force Awakens uh, for this. And I just thought, Christ, that just sounds like utter, utter desperation on the part of, of Lucasfilm. It's like, we don't know what to do. The fans hate everything we make. Oh, we'll do some more Clone Wars. Everyone like that. Oh, we better get back. We better get Mark back. We better get Billy D. Come on in and oh, find somewhere to get Carrie back. Because, you know. They're How just old is Billy D. Williams now? 80, I think, and quite so, portly, from what I understand. I, I hope they're not writing him into you know, ones after this. Otherwise, they could end up with another Carrie Fisher situation. Well, you go. I just, I'm only. I, I couldn't care less, to be perfectly honest, about this film. I'm only going to go and see it out of, out of academic curiosity as to how JJ, <laughs> the mess he got left in at the end of yeah. how, how did he get out of that car crash? The basically, it's just eight people on the Millennium Falcon, one of whom's dead in real life. So get out of that one, JJ. Um, yes, I, I don't. I've, I have no idea where he's going to go with this or how he's going to deal with what what Ryan Johnson did to the story. So. Uh, I'm just going out of academic because I couldn't really care anymore. Um, the, the cast is, I look at it and think, yeah, I, mean, I think um, there's a couple of new members of the cast as well joining. Um, Richard E. Grant is joining, which is an interesting choice. I'm assuming uh, they'll have to go down the same kind of route as with the, you know, like Ollie Reed with Gladiator, that kind of thing, with using some kind of a poignant line which she had beforehand and then just having a kind of either pass away or something, you know, along those lines. You know, because, I mean, there can't be anything really that pertinent from The Force Awakens, can there? Which they can kind of stitch in. I thought so. It was footage they didn't use, and why didn't they use it in the first place? It was any good. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just smacks of sheer desperation, doesn't it? And it's not their fault. Obviously, it's very sad that Carrie Fisher died in real life. I mean, that, that's just a sad um, event. But um, I, I don't know. I'm, like I say, we'll do it. Does anyone really care? Does anyone really care, guys? No, no not really. I should be getting my, my disc of season four of Rebels. That I'm looking forward to. <laughs> but episode nine, couldn't get monkeys. Yeah, I, I've got some projectors in at the minute, so um, I, I will be catching up with, with a lot of things that I haven't caught up with. Because some Ant-Man? stuff I, I want, I want to see. Yeah, I'll, okay, it's a tenor on Amazon. I'll go and get Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll do that. But yeah, I'm going to try and catch up with... Uh, it's, Certainly Rebels, I've got uh, two and three to, to watch there. Um, they've been sitting for a while, so I'm going to get on and get them done and catch up with that. That's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in episode nine. I'll go and see it. 
but just for the same reasons you're going to go and see it, Steve. Just how does does he get out of this mess? Um, that's that's the interesting part for me. Um, yeah, I mean, if JJ thought the pressure was on when he made the Force Awakens, <laughs> it's even worse now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like you've got to save everything with this one, JJ, because now it's it really is in trouble. Um, and I think it must be quite relieved that they've got a year and a half to, to let things calm down a bit and uh, the dust settle before this comes out. But uh, as it stands at the moment, I don't think anyone's particularly bothered. Yeah, I don't, I've stopped watching the Star Wars show because it's, it's just, I just, I just, there's just a bunch of shields flogging Disney crap now and I just don't care. Well, that's a happy note too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that happy note. Yeah. <laughs> like that moment in space, isn't it? You've finally seen what's going on. Yeah. Burning my all favorite, your old Star Wars stuff. My favourite line of space is you, Lando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, uh, that's it for this week. My thanks to Steve Withers. I quit this job. Ed Sally. Take me back to the ghetto. And Mark Borrell. Brenda. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmark AV Forums for latest reviews, news and videos, and of course, why not leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, but only if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Yeah.